Bro, do you know 17K from Crossing Broad? Uh, I do not know him, no. Yeah, he's a person. Well, I know who he is. 17K. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> anyway. Ah, yes. Welcome in, everybody. February 1st, 2023. It is a new year, a new you, hopefully. Uh, but the same old Always Soccer in Philadelphia podcast. Uh, it is good to be with you again. We haven't done a show uh, in a while. I think the last one that we did was during the World Cup. And, uh, you know, we were going to do a little bit more after that. But it, it just we had a World Series run. I got the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. Um not sure about you guys with kids, but my family got blasted by the uh, tri-demic or the triple-demic or whatever the hell we're calling it at this point. The kids were sick. They had ear infections. I was sick. My wife was sick and so on and so forth. You don't need all of the the intricate details of all that stuff. But just know it was, it was a very busy uh, winter, and so the podcast took a, uh, a little bit of a back seat um, for a while there, understandably. But the Philadelphia Union weren't doing much of uh, – Anything anyway, I think feelings were still a little raw uh, after the MLS Cup uh, defeat on penalty kicks. But alas, here we are. They've made some trades and the uh, the regular season starts up in a couple weeks, believe it or not. So um, we're going to fire up the podcast again. I'm very happy to have our first guest of 2023. It's Todd Lewis from the Free Kick Podcast. What is up, brother? What's going on? What's up, Kevin? It's uh, nice to finally be on your show. I think uh, we, we did like a whole bunch of like union podcasts got together, I don't know, what, a year or two ago, and we had like a round table. So it's nice to finally uh, not have everybody take their turns and we can do a one on one. So this, uh, this should be great. No, it should be fun. If you hear, hear my kids screaming in the background, she's just about to go down for, uh, <laughs> for bed, <laughs> bedtime here. So we'll get. So this is perfect because people can now understand what I've been dealing with for the last three months. So that's a good. He's uh, not making way, it up. Way to int- introduce the show. Yeah, yeah, we did the, um, yeah, the round table. I think John uh, hooked all that up. I think there was like fifteen of us on there. So, <laughs> so, 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 so he did a good job of of organizing and getting everybody going, but. Uh, yeah, so Todd and I are going to do kind of like a two-part thing uh, here where, uh, you know, the first half of um, this episode you'll hear uh, while you're listening to it right now, but the second episode will be on the the Free Kicks um, feed as well. So we'll do the second half, and that'll come out, I guess, probably like a, we're going to do one today and one tomorrow. One uh, today is Wednesday. We'll do one on Thursday, and then you'll have two episodes to listen to, and hopefully that'll get you through to the season opener. But, um, yeah, so that said, um, let's jump into it, man. You know, it was, it was interesting because um, – you know, I always do this. I go on Twitter and I say, like, this has been kind of a boring off season, you know. And then they immediately rip off like, bam, 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 three trades, you know. <laughs> so that's what I should know better at this point because you know they the they've always done moves like uh, Vincent Nogueira and Fernando Aristeguieta in like late January and February, and and so yeah, not, nobody should be surprised that stuff took this long. But you know, they did the Daniel Gage dog. Um, you know, extension, and they made him a DP, and then they had the uh, Andres Pereira, Joaquin Torres, Damian Lowe um moves todd just your your thoughts on on we'll get into each, each of these guys individually but just your thought uh, thoughts on how they approached the offseason um going for for trades within the league instead of instead of going overseas yeah it's kind of weird right seeing ernst tenner making moves in mls i know a uh, big proponent of using twitter and I, I know just seeing some fans complaining saying oh Ernst Tanner never values MLS players. Ernst Tanner will never sign MLS players. And then we get the trade with Inter Miami last season for Julian Carranza. And we all see how Julian Carranza played for the Union last season. And maybe, just maybe, because he impressed that much, Ernst Tanner decided, 
Well, let's go ahead and roll the dice and try to bring in some more MLS players. And I'm shocked, honestly, that it was three players. Like we, we got the Andres Perea news, I think, at the end of November, the end of the season press conference. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like you said, a long off season, no noise whatsoever. And I guess that's a credit to the union. They're, they're so tight lipped, it seems like, where they don't allow any rumors to really go out. Yeah, of course, you get all these BS rumors from European websites saying, oh, Jose Martinez this, Jacob Glez is that. Mm-hmm. But the union, you never really see the union link with players. And to see Joaquin Torres and Damian Lowe at the same time, it seems like last week, uh, a little bit shocked. But uh, they, they did have a ton of gam to spend with that sale of Paxson Aronson to Frankfurt in Germany. Now, we don't know how much uh, gam they decided to use from that Paxson Aronson deal, but I believe they get up to like $1.1 million. And the club doesn't have to use all of that. So, uh, again, it goes back to them being tight-lipped, but uh, we saw them get money for Matt Freeze. We saw them get money for Ben Martino, a homegrown goalkeeper that never played for the union two or yeah. or the first team so it's like they had money to spend this season and i guess ernst tanner figured that these players can make the difference for this roster he's done a good job of finding value within the margins and and making that value fit uh certain situations so like in the example of matt freese going to new york city um you know some people were bummed to see him go but you got seven hundred fifty thousand for a guy who wasn't going to play here, right? Um, and you know, likewise, Paxton Aronson, the difference between him and his brother was that when Brendan was here, there was no uh, MVP candidate in front of him on the depth chart, right? So so Paxton got stuck in this log jam uh, where he really didn't play a lot here, but it's like, hey, there's value, so we're gonna flip him, right? You know, there, there's more value for him to go over to Frankfurt and continue his career over there. And so likewise, coming in, Perea Torres, uh, both bench guys who weren't really going to be first choice for Montreal and Orlando, come over here, man. We got a, a spot for you. You'll play a bunch of games. I think the thing that people forget too is that they're going to play a ton of games this year. You know, so even when we're talking about guys who are quote unquote bench players, uh, I mean, there's there's going to be so many minutes to go around between all the competitive Champions League and the regular season and the the leagues cup or whatever the hell it is. You know, so there's going to be no shortage of that stuff. But I, it was funny because I was looking back at Ernst Tanner's moves and I was like. Foreign move, foreign move, foreign. Yeah, he hadn't done a single. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He hadn't done a single MLS move before Julian Carranza. So it's like, oh, they struck gold with that, and he was probably like, "Well, shit, maybe I should do a couple, couple more of these and <laughs> see, see if it works out." You know, for sure. I mean, I think uh, Joe Bendick. I mean, they signed him as a free agent, and uh, of course, I mean, you, when you have Andre Blake, you, you don't expect the second string or third string goalkeeper to play much. I, I think he's played maybe two or three times with the union. And I feel like most of them came in friendly. So that really doesn't count for anything. Uh, I remember RJ Allen in 2019, who fans are like, who? I feel like we had a lot of those signings back in the day of like, (laughs) who's that player? When you you try to bring up those names to the newer generation, it is crazy too, that we have this whole brand new generation of union fans where you try to talk about the past and people just look at you like they're so confused. And so um, makes me feel old. Makes me feel old. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, somebody like myself, I mean, not around the team back then. And now I'm trying to research all that, try to feel like I fit in. I mean, (laughs) you guys lived through some uh, terrible times back then. (laughs) I know we all left the beat and then they got really, really good after that, you know, so we probably should have just hung on for a couple more years if we had, uh, if we had known what was coming down the pike. Oh, for me, it was nice to 
keep doing this show and to do the the post game radio show as well. So even though I'm not in the press box anymore, it's like oh, I'm still connected in in some way here. Um, let's go down the list then. Uh, Andres Perea. So so Perea was uh, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars gam, and there's a one hundred k incentive, which is basically nothing. Um, no incentive that would go back to Orlando, depending on if he hits certain benchmarks here. I mean, I love the move. The guy's 22 years old, dual national, already has a ton of experience um, for his age. But he really – they needed a right-footed um, backup midfield option because, you know, I think I probably beat this drum harder than anybody last year. But, you know, when, when Alejandro Bedoya went out, they had to move Jack McGlynn over to the right and – He's a left-footed guy who had been spelling Leon Flock for you know the entirety of the season to that point. So now, if you look at the depth chart, it's like you got Leon Flock on the left, and you've got Jack McGlynn backing him up, or vice versa. Either one of those guys can start over there. Alejandro Bedoya is on the right, and now you got a bona fide, legitimate, like right-footed option backing him up. And I, you know, we say it every year. It's like, well, is you know Bedoya, you're going to have to manage his minutes and blah, blah blah. I think he played more last year than he did the year before, or that at least ended up being a nothing burger type of topic. But now, now you feel good about that. It's almost like when they, because they play two strikers, we talk about, well, you're going to have to have four, right? Because you always have two on the field. So you need that depth there. And um, I feel like the the Perea move, in addition to just like grabbing a guy who's kind of like marginalized down there, it just kind of, it, it really gives them depth where they needed it. Yeah, I agree with you. And the thing um, I, I like about Perea is like, I asked Jim Curtin about this, like, okay, when he was down in Orlando, Orlando played with two sixes, and the Union only played with one six. I mean, we all know that they play the four four two diamond, and that requires one six, so they have two outside shuttlers. And so I asked Jim, I mean, can he play the eight, where he primarily played as a six with Orlando City? And he said, yeah, for sure, we, we can play him on the left, on the right, like you said. Uh, he even said that, you know, if they wanted to. They could play him as a number 10 next to Daniel Gosling if they went back to that Christmas tree, which mm-hmm. I was a little bit surprised about. But, uh, you know, it goes back to the versatility that Ernst Tanner and Jim Curtin like in these players. I mean, there, there's so many guys the last few years that they brought into the club where, okay, they can play multiple positions. And it continued again this offseason where you bring in Joaquin Torres who can play in multiple positions. You have Andres Pere, and you mentioned it a ton of games, potentially 55 games this season, four competitions. Yeah, that's and crazy. So, yeah. 55 games is insane. Yeah. And and so if if the union continue to roll Ale Bedoya out there, I mean, look, we, we saw what happened come playoff time. I mean, it yeah. made such a huge difference not having Bedoya in that final where, yeah. like you mentioned, you, you play Jack McGlynn, a left-footed player, as one of the uh, the eights on the outside, on the right side of the field, where, in my opinion, I think Jack McGlynn's better set in a in a two six formation not one of those such shuddlers i feel like I think you so could just yeah. leave him as one of those sixes just pinging balls that's what he's best at breaking those lines and yeah. not having him go back and forth um but that's neither here or there hopefully we don't see that anymore with uh andres perea now with the club i mean i'm sure we'll probably see jack mcglynn play on the left side but hopefully no more on the right side like that 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 is key no more jack mcglynn on the right side for this team no no and it's just you you want to you know it almost reminds me a little bit of like the ray gaddis thing where it was just like just because a guy can play on his opposite foot doesn't mean he should have to you know and that, that was just a product of circumstance they didn't really have anybody else to go to they had jesus bueno but he was you know he's not ready or they they don't see something in him you know so i don't i don't really know what's going on there but right that solves the issue of they had this glut 
you know, GLUT of, of lefties, you know, where it was like Kai Wagner, Matt Rahal, Leon Flock, Jack. I've never seen a team with so many lefties, right? So it's weird. Weird. You know, it's the, the opposite way. You know, you got all these right-footed guys are going over. Philip Lahm playing left back for Bayern Munich or whatever, you know? So, so it's good that they have that. But I, 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 like, I agree with you too. I just, I feel like Jack McGlynn is just like more of a, um, I would love to see him play like a classic, like Xabi Alonso kind of eight where, you know, you have a double pivot and like, to your point, man, if they're, if they do switch it up and do some different things this year, Jim has been talking a lot about tactical flexibility. He talked about it when you guys caught up with him at the convention, talked about it on a couple of, um, press conferences as well. But if they do, you know, that four, two, three, one was a big thing for them to switch back to that first year or two when they started the diamond. And that gives them options too and flexibility because you can go Perea and Flock back there. You can go Jose Martinez back there. You can play McGlynn as an eight. So just feel like they've added so much that, that, that helps them with that. And I'll segue that into Joaquin Torres then, who is, is a different kind of player, you know, and Jim said this straight up, I guess Friday, last Friday he talked or Thursday, um, you know, just the fact that they haven't really had, I mean, you watched El Senio come in for how many games, right? And he was just yeah. able to go direct one-on-one and take guys off the drill. I mean, you, and like the unit haven't had that guy for a while. And Torres is like a low to the ground, like classic South American, very good on the ball, like, like line splitter type of guy. So he just, he gives them a different look there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what Jim Curtin said in that press conference, he said uh, he named three players. He said Roger Torres, throwback for Union fans out there, uh, Luciano Acosta, who plays for FC Cincinnati. And then he said he also reminds him of El Sino. My opinion, I mean, watching him from um, playing with Montreal, he reminds me so much of El Sino taking players on 1v1, like you said. Yeah. We haven't had a player since El Senior. Even Jim said that, no. that we haven't had a player that's comfortable dribbling the ball, taking two, three players one at a time. And now you get a player like Roger Torres, uh, uh, Joaquin Torres in here that can take those players on. I think that's going to open up a lot of 1v1 situations for for those strikers. I think that's going to open up free runners. Daniel Gazag, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a lot of free looks too. I mean, that's yeah. what we saw with El Senior. When he came on the field, he drew multiple players on him, leaving guys 1v1. And more times than not, the, the strikers and the number 10 would consistently get looks at goal. And so to see the Union get a player in here that primarily played as a right winger, but he can play as a number 10. He can apparently play as a second striker, even though I, I don't recall him playing that much there with Montreal. But regardless, I mean, bringing in a player that's, a skill for a dribbler. And look, I was looking at the numbers and he, he completed 2.6 uh, dribbles per game, which I think was like in the 89th percentile, according to um, football uh, reference. It's a lot. It's a lot. It is. It's a, it's, this team, nobody came close to that number. And no. so to add that, to have him come off the bench, and like Jim said, you know, we're, we're playing so many games, so he's definitely going to get games where he starts. But to know that we have a difference maker on the bench where we lost Corey Burke, who that was like our plan A, and then it's like, okay, well, we have nobody else that we feel confident in that can make a difference. Yeah. Well, we have Perea, we have Torres now, and will they bring anybody else in? I don't know. I mean, I feel like this team's pretty stacked for all four competitions. I think uh, every time I went and looked at the stats, the Union were like dead last in dribbles um, yeah. every year. But I mean, like quite honestly, like the reason for that is because they didn't even try. No, nobody even tried to dribble anybody on this team. Probably, probably because they knew that that wasn't their game anyway. And I mean, as we know, they're a transitional the team anyway. They were never going to try. They, you know, 
tactically and individually, they were never going to do that because it wasn't what they were asked to do. And it wasn't what they were good at anyway. I mean, it was like win a ball, hit a, you know, big diagonal or play it over the top and or is running onto it and gosh, dogs late in the box or something like that. But Torres is interesting because they don't, you know, the union, when you look at the number tens that they've had over the years, gosh, dog is a late box runner, just good volume kind of guy, smart cerebral guy, but he's not a slicer and dicer. He's not going to, you know, turn two guys uh, back to goal and then play some like amazing line splitting pass. That's not his game. Brendan Aronson, didn't stuff the stat sheet with anything, but he was a, a dude who could run for days and he could press and he was perfect for the system. Marco Fabian was kind of like in between. They, they really, you go back to Rowan Alberg, even like the, the, before that, the only two guys that they've had in that position who were like Torres going back, I mean, shit, even like 10 years now are Boric Dojkal and Christian Maidana who were pass first, like huge assist kind of guys who they were going, they were always going to have like, three times as many assists as they were going to have goals, you know, because that's just what their game was. They weren't even really looking to score, looking to pass. You know, so he just gives you, so Torres just gives you kind of like a different dynamic and we'll get into the depth chart and tweener thing a little bit later. So I'll save that thought, but let's move it on to, to Damian Lowe. Who's the last one. I love Damian Lowe's game for 10 years now. Cause I was lucky enough to be able to watch him play at Reading for a little bit. He only played a couple games there, but I was like, I, this guy's going to be a draft pick, you know? So I don't know if you were following the team. When did when did you like kind of jump into the team? Uh, 2017s when I started paying attention. Uh, 2018s when I was like all in. So uh, okay. yeah, I so, missed so, Damian Lowe. Yeah, a little bit of a. I'm gonna try to remember this off the top of my head. But so it was a 2014 draft, and they they traded up. They got they went up to number one, and they got Andre Blake number one. Um, Steve Barnbaum went number two. The union did like five trades in this draft. And I'm not exactly sure why. Well, the number one was to go up and get Andre, but I think they had six and then they traded from six to 10 at some point. And then they traded back from uh, 10 to 15 and uh, they got Pedro Ribeiro with that draft pick. Uh, Pedro Ribeiro, by the way, is still playing. He's like in the fourth division in Sweden. So there's a little um, trivia for everybody listening. But I think that they, I, I never, I don't think John Hackworth ever confirmed this, but I think they, we're really interested in trying to get Damien with that second pick because they knew him from Reading and Reading was a partner club with the union at the time. And um, they may or may not have traded back when they realized that he went off the board number eight to Seattle. But I mean, here's a guy who's, he's going to be your third center back. I mean, he was a starter last year. You know, he's played overseas. Uh, he's got a ton of experience. He's played 48 times for Jamaica. I mean, Jesus Christ, this guy's scored in like, uh, you know, CONCACAF games. So um, I love the move. That one was for, uh, 225,000, a first round draft pick, and uh, Shannon Borlin, um, who was from Miami, by the way. So I guess it made sense for him to go back down there. And Joaquin Torres, by the way, was 500K um, plus incentives. But I love Damian Lowe. I, I, I'm curious as what you what you make of the move. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not going to lie. I mean, I told people straight up uh, talking to them, I was like, you know, it wasn't extremely high watching Miami last season, watching low play. I mean, he, he was the best defender on a terrible Miami team, which in my opinion is not saying much, but you know, yeah. looking up his numbers, Jim Curtin mentioned he, he hits all the metrics that they look for in their center backs. And Jim's right. I mean, they, they look for their center backs. that can play those diagonal passes. He's in the 90th percentile or higher in interceptions, blocks, tackles, tackles yeah. on the defensive thirds, tackles ones. And so when, when you look at that, it, it makes sense why the union went out and got him, especially, 
really when they sold Stuart Finley last season. They did they didn't have a backup center back. I know you have Brandon Craig, but he was never going to play any minutes with the, the the Union's team. I mean, I no, feel like he's still like isn't Brandon Craig like 18? 18, still? yeah. Like, yeah, so he's got a lot he's got plenty of time to yeah, to to, to grow and figure it out, you know. Yeah, we we were uh, I feel like we had a better chance of seeing Kai Wagner play as a left center back than we yeah. did Brandon Craig coming in and even Jim Curtin like played him I believe in a friendly against Pachuca or something as a left center back just to try it out so it's like yeah Brandon Craig was never getting playing time next last season and yeah it hurt I mean thank goodness Jacob Glesnes and Jack Elliott didn't get hurt the rest of the season I know Jack Elliott dealt with a little bit of an injury that's why Stuart Finley stayed for those two games against New England and Miami, I want to say it was. Yeah, it's crazy. And, I totally forgot about all that. <laughs> yeah, like, because yeah. Jack got hurt. Like, this guy never gets hurt. Yeah. And uh, the union already agreed to deal with Oxford, but they said, uh, we actually need you right, because right, Jack right. Elliott's yeah. hurt. So. And he was good. And Stuart Finley was good in those games, man. I mean, I, that's such a weird situation for him. I think he went out in a way that made, you know, union fans appreciative. Not that they weren't before, but I mean, it was just a weird situation. He was good, but the dudes in front of him just like, we're not getting injured and they're playing like at like a all-star caliber level. So I guess it's just, you know, I guess it is what it is when it came to that. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy too when you think about it. Listen to Jim Curtin talk about like the tactical tactical flexibility, how we're going to play three in the back. Like I remember you had an interview with him. Uh, I forget when it was, but you were talking about the three back system and everything. He's like, oh yeah, I love the three back system. And we yeah. never saw it. And now here he is in all these press conferences saying we're going to play with three in the back. Like, he should have played three in the back when we had Mark McKenzie, Jack Elliott, Jacob Glesnes, or even Stuart Finley. Like we yeah. had a left footed center back, which we don't have right now. We're playing Jack Elliott out of position and yeah. to his credit, he's playing that job fantastically. And now, now you add another right footed player in yeah. Damian Lowe, who again, you, you feel more confident if something happens to Jack Elliott or Jacob Glesnes, than playing him than you do Brendan Craig. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited to see Damian Lowe here and, like Jim and Ernst Tanner both said, you know, putting Damian Lowe next to Jacob Glesnes and Jack Elliott is only going to make Damian Lowe better. And so to see the union get him for basically a can of beers, uh, great, great pickup by Ernst Tanner once again. Yeah. So if you add it all up, so Perea was 750K, uh, maybe we'll say the incentive hits, that's 850K, um, plus the 500 for Torres. Uh, suck at math. 13, uh, five. No, let me see. Uh, yeah, 13, five plus 225. So, like 1.5, uh, 1.6 million plus the incentives for Torres that we don't know. Uh, and then the first round pick and uh, Borhill in, and they got like almost half of that back in Matt Freeze. So, I mean, 1.6 million plus a first round draft plus an academy pro- product for, um, yeah, for three guys who are who are pretty good and like fringe who could probably start, um, you know, most of these games and have started a lot of these. I mean, it's a great bit of business. I mean, you got to spend the the Garber money too, at some point. I, you know, it's interesting because um, yeah, Jim was talking, I think I joined the, um, the media availability late, like last week or I don't jump on all of them. I try to get on when I can. Usually I'm busy doing crossing broad stuff, but he, when I got on, he was talking about the Christmas tree. He was talking, he didn't say Christmas tree straight up. He's like, yeah, we tried, we tried playing with two tens today, you know, which, which they did when they had to go to the, um, when they were just had injuries at striker, you know, they only had, I guess, Cashper was like the only one healthy for, for that time. But you know, it's interesting, Todd, it's like, they, they don't, 
they 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 didn't come out of the four four two last year because like quite frankly they didn't have to like they were just hammering teams with it's so like what the hell is the point of mixing it up if you're doing so well with this but you have yourself in a situation now where they're running it back with the best team that they've ever had so now you find yourself in the luxury and this is a question I asked Jim I was like do you do you want to have tactical flexibility this year because you feel like you need it or do you want to have it because like you just have the luxury of doing it now. And to me, I think it's the luxury because they could just roll out the four four two diamond again this year and probably crush a bunch of teams. But you have 11 starters at your return. They all know the system, right? So now you can spend time installing this other stuff. I'll give you like a cross-sport comparison because I always like doing this on the show. Um, I don't know if you watch college basketball at all, but um, John Calipari at Kentucky loses like 80% of his team every year. Right, because he hire he he hires them. Well, maybe he does hire them, <laughs> but he brings in these freshmen who are like amazing, like five star recruits, and they all go to the NBA. Right, so he never there's no continuity. He can never teach these guys anything beyond just year one of the system. Right now, Jim's in like year three or four of these guys who all know the diamond. So it's like, well, let's fuck around and do you know three, four, one, two or something, or let's play with wing backs or something. You know, so they they can. It just gives them. You know, it's it's what allows them to do this is the continuity of hey, we already have our like system down. I'm gonna teach these guys anything in the offseason. I don't have to install that. That's already installed. We just played a game three months ago. We just played for MLS Cup three months ago. There's nothing to install here except new stuff that we're gonna try. Um, so I guess my question to you would be like, what do you want to see them do? Like, what do you think would be beneficial tactical wrinkles, different shapes, or whatever that they can show? Man, uh. No, Jim Curtin brings up a good point where it's only them in Cincinnati who play with two strikers. Everybody else is playing with one striker, and then they're playing with wingers. It's and crazy. So, I mean, it's crazy, man. I can't believe that it has. Yeah, I just can't believe that it hasn't been more. Hasn't been more of that. Yeah, and the the two best front threes last season in MLS were uh, Gaza, Carranza, and Ua, and then you had Brenner, Vasquez, and Acasa in Cincinnati. I mean, they were the two highest scoring triers, and I think. Uh, both of them may have came into the uh, top five all times high scoring triers in a single season in MLS, which is crazy. Like, you, like how, how teams aren't looking at what the Union in Cincinnati did in terms yeah. of scoring goals. Like, it's crazy to me that like the, these coaches won't switch their two striker formation. But yeah, yeah. I, I guess teams are now, and you say it in Europe too, where teams want to play with these wingers. They want to play with one striker. They want to play with that striker that can hold up the play and then have the wingers run off of them. So I get it. But when you see what the union did last season, what you see what Cincinnati did, it's like, why, why don't more teams try to do this? And maybe they do, but yeah, I mean, I I think, yeah, for sure. Come out on a four, four, two diamond. And Jim talks about, you know, it's a copycat league and maybe some teams will try to copycat what they do. I mean, teams straight up know how the union play. And like you said, they're returning all 11 starters. And even if the union want to have brought in these three new players, I think they still would have been favorites for MLS Cup or at least one of yeah. the favorites. I mean, yeah. Yeah, 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 I talk about it on my show where, and you know it too, you know, the team is a superstar. And you, you, when you have constant players coming into a new system, learning a new league, I mean, they might be getting bought for a lot of money, but it's it's a new league, new system, new team. And the union have the luxury of that not being the case. And I think just on the starting 11 alone, for sure they can run back a 4-4-2 diamond and create as much havoc as they did last season. But, yeah, I am curious to see three in the back. I want to see three in the back. I wanted to see it when they had Stuart Finley and Mark McKenzie. I know you've talked about it in the past, like I said, with Jim Curtin. Like, 
please stop just saying, okay, we're, we're going to mess with a three in the back. Let's actually see it this season. Even though I would <laughs> like to see us actually have a left center back, but um, yeah. Jack Elliott, like I said, is doing a great job as the left center back on this team, but come on. Let, let's see yeah. the three in the back. You have your center backs go 1v1. You already know you have defenders that are good 1v1. Let's run with two sixes. We can run with one six. I mean, the flexibility on this team is insane. Yeah. And yeah. You, you look, like you said, Perea, Torres, low. Could be starters anywhere else in MLS, but they're fine coming to Philadelphia where yeah. they know they probably have the highest chance out of all teams in MLS to at least win one tournament this season with the amount of tournaments the Union are in. So yeah. uh, I, I want to say three in the back so bad this season. I love it, man. I just I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse because I feel like I talk about three at the back like on every other podcast episode that I do. And I'm what am I up to like 160 or something <laughs> now? So that's like 80 times I've probably talked about three at the back. But I just I like it because we played it in um casa before i got old and decrepit you know so it was like and i just liked it because those wing backs like you were able to create like a ton of width with them yep. you know when you got a, a guy like kai wagner who's bombing up and down the flanks is probably the best left foot in the league um it takes away a little bit of his defensive responsibility it just lets him kind of blast by uh, you know get get higher up the field and blast crosses in and um you know, I think the two, when you have the right center back and the left center back, it, like there's gaps that are created where they can kind of push into those gaps and they can walk the ball up a little bit. And you see Glessness do it out of a yeah. four-man four man defense, you know, so why can't he do it as kind of a right-sided center back? He's got the outlet to him by, so if he wants it anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I would love to see something like that. I don't really care beyond that, like what they do, like formation-wise or, or tactic-wise. I think what they need is like a late-game – not even a late game, but just kind of a second option to plan B where they replicate the El Senio thing where it's like defenses are tired. Let's put somebody with skill in a wide, wide position and let's pull, try to pull defenders out and get somebody who can run out. I, I think that's what the, I think that the limitation of the diamond is that it's, it is narrow. Mm-hmm. You know, when you don't have those one V one skill guys, you're kind of predicated on pressing and turning guys over and getting out in transition or whatever. So you, you create off of, you know what they do and you need to be able to organically create your own chances versus like re- relying on opponent mistakes and things of that nature. So I would just like to see them be able to just put like a one V one skill guy out in space and just be able to run at somebody. Just give me some, give me some, like some skill and width. I think yeah. is probably what they've been, what they've been missing, you know? Yeah. I mean, there were, there were times too last season where it seemed like we were a little bit too narrow and you, you heard Danny Hagenbottom say it on yeah. the broadcast too, saying that, yeah, they're, they're way too narrow. They, they need their fullbacks to push wide and give them options out wide, but yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the diamond doesn't really call for that. And so you bring in a player like Torres, who's a natural right winger. Do you go with yeah. um, him as a wingback? Potentially, do, do you go with a four-three-three, something like that? I know I just talked about how they they got to stay with two strikers up top because it works so well. But they have options, and I, I think that's key for this team. And uh, yeah. super excited. No, and you still got guys like you know Quinn Sullivan too, who's a tweener. You know where does he fit in this year? Maybe if you show some tactical flexibility, it helps out for these guys who who may not be you know like the the perfect fit for the for the diamond or whatever. Let's do, I, okay. I got to add two more for you, but let me just throw this one in there because I mentioned it and then I forgot I was going to do it. Um, so the depth chart, let's just do a quick, like, like run through the depth chart here. Right. Um, so let's go back to front. Andre Blake and Joe Bendick. No questions about that. Nothing yeah. to even really talk about there. Elliot, Glessness, Wagner, and Bison. Look, it's the same damn starting 11. Yeah. Okay, so we don't even have to talk about the starting 11, but the guys behind them, 
So, you know, you got behind the center backs, you got low, you got Craig, right? So you feel yeah. fine with that. If you have to go to four, so be it, you know. They're fine at left back. They have Real, Matt Real still. They've got Sorensen yep. and Mbizo and Harriel, right? Um, any questions for you on the back line? No, I mean, no. We're, we're, we're finally covered in the back line, and no. especially left back, which is crazy. Like, I feel bad for Matt Real where – yeah, I'm sure he was expecting Kai Wagner to get sold the last couple seasons. And yeah, but you know what, man? He can go to, to your point, man. I mean, they can, you know, if they want to go to, um, say they switch back to four two three one or something like that. If they want to play Matt Real, Matt Real can play as a left side of midfielder. He's played a little bit of that, like in late game yeah. scenarios before he can do it. Um, you know, they have guys who can play on the right as well. They they don't have like they, they don't have Fafa Picos. They don't have like outright wingers, but they have yep. dudes who can play wide. So that can that can get Matt Real some minutes. Um I'm looking at Tom Bogert's he made this. I think he's got this backwards, but Leon Flock on the left. He's got Perea back in him, but Perea will be on the right. Then Bedoya. The right, exactly. Yeah. So so on the left it'll be Flock and McGlynn, and then on the right, Bedoya, Perea, and then Jesus Bueno's there if they want him. Um gosh dog, Torres Quinn Sullivan, we think Carranza, Torres, Sullivan. See, here's the thing: like the one thing that interests me about the front three is like Torres can play the ten, uh, but he can probably play as like a second forward too, or like a withdrawn striker. Quinn Sullivan can do those same two things too because they're not really both those guys are like tweeners. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like like Anthony Fontana, you know. Yeah, both Sullivan and Torres are wingers. I mean, Sullivan came up as a winger in the academy and yeah. hasn't had a position. I mean, tried him as striker last season. Then Jim says we're going to play him as a 10, but then they bring in Torres, and now that's going to put Sullivan farther behind as one and of he's the 10s. Not an I mean, eight. And he's not an 8. Exactly. So, he's not, so, I mean, really, if I'm looking at this, like the minutes for me for Quinn Sullivan would be like probably spelling one of the strikers, yeah? Yeah, I think so too when yeah. – you only have three strikers in Ua, Carranza, and Donovan. And then you have Rafa Nella, who's yeah. more of a 10. I know, I think uh, Tom had him listed as one of the strikers, but I, I don't see that. Um, I guess the question is, you know, are you concerned that they only have three strikers listed? Like you said, I mean, Gaza can even go up there. I think we saw some of that when he joined the team uh, in 2021, um, when he first got here, they, they tried him up top as a striker. It didn't really work out much better as a 10. But I, I guess to your point, guys like Torres, Sullivan can all fill in up top if need be. But uh, not having Corey Burke, I think, hurts a little bit, especially when you saw him score eight goals. I mean, that's – and he, he played, yeah. I think, the 11th most minutes last season on the Union. So I'm sure Torres is going to pick up those minutes that Corey Burke's leaving behind. But – I, I don't know. I, I would like to see them potentially get another striker in here, but you, you have Jose Viasco who signed a union two deal that the young Venezuelan yeah. uh, potentially break into the union's team. You have Nelson Pierre who is just knocking on the door waiting for a homegrown contract. So you, you do have people in the academy, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm with I guess you. I'm being selfish. Like yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> We've I'm already seen three signings already. Like, let's go ahead and get another striker. But I guess it would be hard for Ernst Tanner to convince Jay Sugarman otherwise when they spent all that money on Ua, all that money on Carranza, spent a million dollars on Jose Viasco, and he's not even with the first team yet. So yeah. would Jay Sugarman say, yeah, I'll give you more money for a striker when <laughs> he spent on uh, three strikers the last two seasons? You know, it's weird because um... – it's easy to look at a bench guy and think, well, you know, it's not a big deal. But the the third striker on in this setup plays more minutes than 
mostly everybody. And if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Hariel and Abizo, um, you know, t- taking the starting job back and forth from each other and like resulting ultimately in like what was a platoon at right back, then Corey would have played more minutes than anybody other than any of the starters, you know? So, but that's just, because think about it this way, when you have a two striker setup, not only do you need a third one and a fourth one, but those are the guys who come off first. Those are always the first subs, right? It's the strikers or like a, you know, a veteran midfielder or something. You're not taking guys off the back line. Center backs don't sub out. Fullbacks don't sub out. You're not subbing out your six, right? Who comes off? It's it's Uar and it's Carranza, right? So yep. Corey Burke was probably the most important, was the most important bench piece for them last year. So so I don't – and he was a change of pace in and of himself too. I mean, he was not a um, <laughs> not a refined player, but the ability <laughs> to just be like a friggin' bull in a china shop, as we saw in the, the playoff game where he just like basically – obliterated that dude in route to scoring. I mean, there, there's, there's necessity in that and going route one and being, having like a bulldozer kind of option off the bench. So I, I think that is something, if there's anything that concerns me at all about the roster, I'm not concerned about much of anything nah. at, all at this point, but I would say that the third, um, the third striker is that. Um, okay. Two more, two peripheral kind of things, but relevant. We want to talk about it. Um, Apple TV deal. What do you think? Man, uh, <laughs> uh, so I think I was asked about this uh, at the uh, United Soccer Coaches Convention on another podcast, and I said I, I straight up didn't like it because, uh, as m- maybe some of your listeners know, a lot of what I did last season was bring on different commentators from uh, the opposing team, whoever the union were playing that week. And so uh, seeing a lot of my friends lose their jobs was a little hard to take, and so I didn't like it from that, that aspect. Because, I mean, who likes to lose their job? And, um, I mean, everybody knows sports are so cut cutthroat. And it sucks that so many people lost their jobs. But you, you look at the names that MLS and Apple have started announcing the last couple of weeks. I mean, they've got the best of the best now calling the games. I mean, yeah, I know some fans were upset that JP Della Camera wasn't brought in. I know fans in D.C. were upset. Dave Johnson, who was the original voice of D.C. United, wasn't yeah. brought in. It's uh, in the Shep net. Messing. It's in the net. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shep Messing, I know, did get brought into the Apple deal, but he's going to be a studio analyst, not calling games like he was for the Red Bulls. And yeah. I don't know. It kind of feels like Apple's going to go with this just younger generation and kind of leaving the the old dogs behind. Which, yeah. I mean, I, I guess you, I get you, it, right. I mean, yeah. You, I, I think you want. Well, I mean, in a perfect world, all those guys go out on their own terms. Um. I think that some people would agree that, you know, new blood is a good thing, but yeah. at the same time, it's like, you, you don't, it was always nice having local commentators because they just knew the ins and outs of the exactly. teams. You know, I don't, I don't feel, and I'm, you know, maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse here because I don't know how the commentary is going to be, but like there aren't going to be dedicated, you know, team broadcasters. Right. So what the fuck does guy X know about team Y? I mean, maybe they will learn, the players as they go along for the season. But yeah, I liked having Danny call the union games because he knew the union inside now, you know? So I wonder if the, what the depth of analysis um, 
is going to be like for sure. But I, I don't, I, I don't like it because number one, I'm not an Apple guy. Like I'm an Android guy. I hate using Apple shit. I'll just say it. Yep. I, I hate Apple. <laughs> yep. The thought of even the thought of like signing up and having to do an Apple ID and pay for their stuff. Just Dude, it sucks. Fun. We don't even have the Apple app for Android. So like we have to open up a web, a web browser on our phone to watch Apple phone. TV. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm already, I'm paying money for your shit. I'm going to do it. Cause I, I, I don't want to, but I have to. So, okay. So then, so then, I'm making a concession for you. Make a concession for me. Help me out. Exactly. You're bringing in new people who are not Apple people. So throw me a bone. You know, I, I just don't, I don't think that, I mean, you could talk about this forever, but like, I don't, I don't think that there's a lot of casuals in the Philadelphia region who are, if, if they were interested in the, if they watch MLS cup last year, they watched the playoffs or whatever, and it was on PHL 17 or they found it on TV or whatever. I don't think a lot of those people are going to go actively searching for the union on Apple friggin' TV no. and subscribe and then pay the money for it. I'll use my dad as an example, right? My dad's a classic old school four for four Philly sports fan, but he likes the union. And when I was involved with the team and I was working for the team, he got into it and he's like, yeah, I'll watch it. So he'll watch all those teams. If yeah. the union were on PHL 17, he'd flip on PHL 17 and watch them. But I don't think he's going to like taking the extra step to go to like, he's not going to, let's say, Hey, how do I get the union this year? Okay, I'm gonna go subscribe to Apple TV Plus. I'll probably give him my damn login. Yeah. But I don't think I don't I just don't and I don't have anything scientific to prove this. I think it's just like 15 years of being around you know Philly sports fans as a media guy. I just I I just have this hunch that like I don't think a lot of those casuals are going to follow the team behind the paywall. No, I agree with you. And look, you just brought up an extra excellent point too, where you know you give your dad the login and everything. So what people have found out is you can family share with the Apple account, but the only way that you can family share is the, the other person has to have in an, an Apple account, uh, an, an Apple device. And, and so I have to go out of my way to, okay, yeah, I, I share season tickets with my sister, but I don't use my tickets anymore. So thank goodness she has an Apple device. So I can give her the login code to that yeah, okay, and she yeah. can invite me as the family sharing. But what if a family doesn't have an Apple device and they want to family share with other members in their family? Like they're screwed now. Now they got to find somebody who has an yeah. Apple device and it, it it's a joke. I mean, you you limit yourself and i know they say oh you you can watch it on uh whatever device you want to watch it on but i don't know it, it's such an inconvenience and like you said i mean there, there's yeah. old hard, hardcore fans where i'm not downloading another app i'm not paying for another app it's like let me just no, turn on no. tv and put on uh philly 17 and watch the union but th- that's no more and so i i do think in that sense it does make it a little bit harder um it, it is good that mls sign in linear TV deal with Fox sport. I think Fox has 36 games this season. It helps. So, it's better than nothing. That, it's that helps exactly, but I think the union yeah. only won Fox for two games of the season. So, I mean, Philly fans that want to watch the union don't want to get the app. Like you it's only just, get, the here's, here's the thing, Todd. It's like go to any other sport, right? Um, Eagles and the chiefs playing the super bowl in two weeks, right? Next year, the Eagles and the Chiefs, no matter what the outcome of the game is, they should be on week one friggin' Sunday night primetime where everybody yep. can see it. LAFC versus Philadelphia Union is one of the best damn MLS games I've ever watched in my entire life. And you're telling me that shit is behind a paywall like seven months from now. Yeah, ridiculous. Like you, at some point, you, ha- you have to help yourself, right? You, you have these amazing like teams. This is going to be a great rematch. They're finally coming here. And, and it's stuck behind an Apple TV paywall. It's almost like, like I get it, man. I, I don't, the, the money's amazing. 
they're ahead of the curve. Like Don Garber's a good commissioner. Don Garber's Don Garber's the best commissioner in sports right now. Um, I trust MLS that they know what they're doing, but something about this just rubs me the wrong way because the timing of like the union like getting good, and I felt like like casual eyeballs were finally caring about them a little bit and showing like like you know, man, I've been fighting for relevance for this team for ten years now, twelve years now. And you I saw it like at the stadium, all those fans yeah. that showed up for the watch party. I mean, it was crazy. I was having like 9,000 people there. Yeah, yeah when yeah. the game wasn't even at Subaru Park and all these people show up to watch yeah. the Union. I mean, it, it was great. And I'm sure bars around town, you know, were starting to fill up too just when this Union got hot in the playoffs. And uh, now all that kind of seems like it goes away. All that momentum goes away. And yeah, you, you do feel like a little bit Don Garber, I know, came from the NFL that they're following in the NFL's footsteps where you talked about the local broadcasters going away because, yeah, you have the radio broadcasters in the NFL, but uh, you, you have the national televised guys. And now it seems like that's what MLS is following, too. I wish that they, they would still stick with the baseball format where they have the radio guys, they have their TV guys. And yeah. then when it's a national TV, then they use the national broadcasters. But um Apple, I guess, has to find a way to uh, – Apple and MLS have to find a way to cut costs, and they thought it was best just to get rid of all their uh, local announcers. Well, we'll see how it goes. I'm skeptical. I, I hate – I just – I hate Apple. I cannot stand Apple. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not, with to, you. Not, to, not to drag everybody down with us. But um, anyway, last one. Um, last question, then we'll wrap it up here. And then part two, you guys will be able to listen to when we uh, do the recording. That will be on Todd's feed for the, uh, the free kick. Um, the Beambo, um, sponsorship is renewed um they've been with bimbo since 2011 there's only one year uh in franchise history that bimbo hasn't been on a jersey and um yeah i mean bimbo's local headquarters is in horsham um they've been a great partner to the union for forever the money's good i don't even know if i saw a dollar amount on this deal but i think over the last the first two deals it was like four million a year and then three million a year so that's good that's good for this team they need the money god knows they need the money because Jay Sugarman's not procuring that much of it. Um, so I'm never going to, you know, I'm Mr. Capitalism. I'm fine with it. Money is what it is, whatever. I just, I can't stand Jersey sponsors um, in, in general. I, it's just not, it's just never been that. I will not buy a soccer jersey because of the advertisements on the front of them. Um, also because I don't have a team either. I'm not like, I'm not a Manchester United guy, but I was, if I, if I was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it and then advertise it AIG yeah. with, with the things bigger than the the crest. And like, I know, man, it's a necessary evil. I, I know I'm like kind of barking up the wrong tree here, but um, I don't, I just, I'm just like one of those people who thinks that uh, I, I like the only thing that should be on a Jersey is the athlete's name and number and uh, like the, the crest or something. You yep. know, imagine I use this example in the story I wrote today for crossing broad. Um, it's like, Imagine if you, I just feel like it cheapens the whole thing. Like if I was a Philadelphia Eagles fan, think about how many Eagles fan had oh. Terrell, Terrell Owens and Donovan McNabb jerseys back in the day. You bought a Donovan McNabb jersey and had a fucking Campbell's chunky soup on the front of it. Like it just, it, it just feels like, like cheesy to me. And because of that, I'm never like, I'm never going to wear something like that. So that's just my stance. I'm not an anti Beambo guy. I think Beambo's fine. I got no problem. I think we're like well beyond the point now Yeah, where people get hung up on the word because bimbo is derogatory. I think people know what they're finally talking about, but I mean, my stance is I'm always just like, I just don't like sponsors in general. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, uh, the, the one that's like 
that pisses me off is like the sleeve sponsors now. It's like how many sponsors are we going to put on these jerseys? Look at uh, Lee MX teams, like the, the whole jersey. Like you see nothing but sponsors on the I front know, and the I back know. of the jersey. It looks like it's, it looks like Ricky Bobby's car in like Talladega Nights or something. Where it does. It's trying crazy. to fill up the entire canvas with stickers or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's so crazy. Um, I mean, I'm with you, right? I mean, I, I love uh, just a plain jersey, and you, you put. You know, like you said, the crest, the the player's name and number on the back. But I, I get it. I mean, it's a way to make money and everything. And teams aren't going to turn down money. I was talking to a buddy today uh, that lives in England, and he's a Tottenham Hotspur fan, and uh, he's complaining about how the the stadium name that they still don't have a, a name for the stadium. He's like, you know, that's just easy money right there. Just give us more money. And now I think Tottenham are supposed to renew their shirt sponsor and. Like you mentioned, I mean, just... yeah. But listen, what's what sounds? Here, here's a here's a question. What okay. sounds what sounds better to you, um, Lincoln Financial Field or Lambo Field? Lambo. Yeah, I mean, one of them is named after a friggin' bank. It's like yeah. I, I don't. I, it, which is why, like, when I hear like Old Trafford, that's cool as shit. Yeah, uh, Stamford Bridge, that's cool as shit. Like, like that kind of stuff. I just think that it gets to. Like, again, like I know, like money is a necessary evil. Like it's part of everything. Like money is good. We need, everybody needs money. I mean, they just, Chelsea just spent like what, 130 million on Enzo uh, Fernandez or whatever. Yeah. So it is what it is. I'm not like naive to that fact. I just think it's like, how, how many things can we slap a sponsor on? It's like everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like we could sell more ads for crossing broad if we wanted to, but do I want people just like scrolling through ads the entire time? I think you get to a point where it's like, how much is too much? You look at like Liga MX, you look at like NASCAR, you look at stuff like that. They'll stuff the thing and anything on anything. There's a picture of a, like a Liga MX manager from like five or six years ago. He had like he, the product placement. I'm holding up a, a Yingling right here for, for reference. He had like five drinks and like two bags of granola and like a, something, something else on the table. It's like, how can, how can you, how much more product placement can you do? But I you have know. the whole Ronaldo situation when they put a Coke or whatever, and he like put that away, and like Coke was like pissed and everything. Oh, like, he moved the Coke off. To yeah, the side. yeah, and then you get you know, it's and it's like a real thing too, because then you get some of the Muslim guys who play who went to England, and like there was a lot of betting gambling yeah. sponsors that were on their shirts, and they didn't want to wear that for religious reasons. And it's just like I, I like my God, you know, it's like I would just love to have like a huge Philadelphia Union friggin' crest on the middle, and then like glassness on the back and his number. Because I just don't like the fact that we're, I, it just feels to me like we're talking, we're turning these guys into like, um, into walking billboards, yeah. which I don't think is, I don't think is fair to them. Their professional athletes are the best at what they do. Like, imagine you're the MLS defender of the year and you're walking around with like a friggin' bagel brand on yeah. your, on your shirt. That's something about, something about just rubs me the wrong way. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, and in a sense, I'm, I'm happy that MLS, you know, has a salary cap where, you look over in Europe and everything and it seems like teams can spend however much money they want. And it's like more and more sponsorships. And so they're going to have more money to spend where, okay, it's like, I'm, I'm glad that we don't have a super team here in uh, MLS. I mean, I guess LAFC yeah. tried last season, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> tried and succeeded, but it was close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, damn Gareth Bale out and jumping Jack Elliott. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, well, and then the, the, <laughs> And then the World Cup thing where he scores for Wales. I know. I even, I even put that up on Crossing Broad. We don't do a lot of soccer stories on Crossing Broad for obvious obvious reasons. But, um, you know, it's like, okay, I can tie this into him just being a pain in the ass to Philadelphia. 
He is. Philly, Philly sports fans, US, USA fans in general. You know, Make but, a uh, Mount Rushmore most hated people in Philadelphia? Well, he would have been on it at that point. Yeah, I mean, that was just uh, – I mean, that's funny because if you put me in a, in a hot tub time machine and we go back like 10 years ago and he told me Gareth <laughs> – I was watching Gareth Bale score for like Tottenham against like like Inter Milan in, in like, the <laughs> Champions League. I'm like, this guy's going to deprive the union of their first um, title ever, I would have said. Can't right, make man. it up. Yeah, I mean, what, what what was the saying back in the day? That's our union. That's our union. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who coined that. I think it was Dave Dave Zeitlin or Matt DeGeorge may have may have done that. But uh, it's crazy, man. I I know we just spent the end of the episode bitching about <laughs> shirt sponsors and uh, Apple TV, but I, I I can't. You know, I I think the longer that you get from MLS Cup, I think people. And I would say this too, Todd. I think I think like the Philadelphia Union fan base is pragmatic and and smart and able to like compartmentalize things and look at things pretty pretty practically. You know, it's not like Philadelphia Eagles fans are going to like emotionally like knee jerk react to you know let's fire the defensive coordinator after the first loss. You know, I think people are we're probably hurting after MLS Cup, but I think they're going to be able to go back and look at that. You know, this year, next year, five years from now, and say, man, what a, what a season that was i mean shit they're running it back they're running it back with the same team exactly yeah. and now going up to exactly. players that are only yeah. going to make them better i mean yeah it's it's great and it seems like the mls cup final was just yesterday and now we're about to start the, the season in 24 days i mean it's crazy i know i'm not ready for it i'm going to come up from the super bowl and then the sixers are going to be in the playoffs then i'm going to be doing the union stuff again like i need a vacation here at some point you know so but uh but anyway it's great to be back thanks for everybody uh thanks to everybody for listening todd lewis from the uh the free kick podcast and um we're gonna do part two um so if you listened to this go ahead and uh check out the free kick feed and that will be uploaded when it's done um and we will do part two of the uh what are we calling this? A crossover. We'll do part two of the crossover, uh, you know, when we get that done. But uh, Todd, thanks for coming on, man. That was um, that was fun, and we'll do it again, uh, not just tomorrow, but beyond that. Yeah, I appreciate it, Kevin. And uh, got to get you out, back out at Subaru Park and do another live podcast. I think you did one this season, right? So yeah, I, we flubbed. You know, that was kind of a disaster. <laughs> we had like technical difficulties and like it was windy as shit. I don't think oh, anybody so could hear anything. But you know, it was funny. It was we actually the first live show that we ever did at the Larimer like five years ago or whatever. We we um, I messed up the recording of that, so there's no recording. So like the hundred people who were there got to hear it live, but nobody nice. heard the recording. This time there was maybe like ten people who heard the thing live, but like uh, two thousand of them heard the recording. So okay, so we'll you know <laughs> more, more people ironically heard it when we had the technical difficulties versus uh, not having the technical difficulties. So we're just uh, flying by the seat of our our pants here, and uh, yeah, always soccer and Philadelphia. It's a one man show now. You know, I need Zeitlin to to come back and help me out. You know, so it's hard doing these one man shows, isn't it? It is. It is, man. But. uh no, it's good. I, I, you know, I appreciate what you guys do and what the other guys do who are doing the podcast because there's just not a lot of, um, just not a lot of Philadelphia Union coverage in general. You know, I think we'll probably talk about that on on your episode. But, um, but yeah, in the meantime, uh, we're back. Philadelphia Union season starts in a couple of weeks. Holy shit! Um, let's go, baby. Let's go. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next time.